I chose to serve at Young Adults because God called me out of my comfort zone. I wanted to get planted in the church. I knew that I would meet new people on a weekly basis. My life has changed since volunteering at YA because I've gained confidence, a calling, and community. As I pour out to others, I get filled in return. Use my passions for God in a way that I never could have without it. I serve my church because they have given so much to me over the years that it was my chance to give back to everybody else. They encourage me when I need help and allow me to walk next to them when they are also in need. We're not called to live this life alone. I serve to make heaven more crowded. 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 I serve to make heaven more crowded. Amen, amen. How are you guys? Awesome, awesome. Hey, you are all joining us on a fabulous night. I want to apologize personally for uh, the parking lot. I know that it was frustrating getting in here, but I just want to say thank you because um, I understand that it was a long line getting in and actually finding a place to park, and I, I want to say thank you so much for taking time to do that. Um, it is something we are retroactively working on right now, and it is something that um, is the reason we are doing a vision night. <laughs> so so uh, we love you guys so much. Uh, if you are new, you joined us on the perfect night. If you have come to Young Adults for a really long time, you are joining us on the perfect night because we are talking about where we have been and then we are talking about who we are and where we are going, okay? Uh, the Bible talks about in Proverbs 29, and everybody probably knows this verse. If you've been in church at any given point in time, you've heard this verse at least once. And it says this, Proverbs 29, verse 18 from the King James Version. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Listen, it is vital for your life. It is absolutely pertinent, not just corporately that we have vision, but it is pertinent that we have vision individually. It says this in Proverbs 29, 18 in the message, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when people attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. He says this. He says, when people can't see what God is doing in their lives or they aren't paying attention to the vision that God has for their lives, they stumble all over themselves. And then King James says they actually perish. And what perish means, it means to, uh, to die an untimely death, okay? It means that something dies before it's its time to die. It means that that dream dies before it's its time to go into the ground. Your, your dream dies before it even takes off. And when it comes to uh, our generation, to people born in the 80s, people born in the late 80s, in the 90s, listen, our problem is not dreaming <laughs> because we have the Disney Channel. And they taught us how, right? Like Wizards of Waverly Place, we were like, I can be a wizard. And you're like, you can't, but... But, you know, if you wish upon a star, you might be able to, like, you know, like, that is how we grew up. So our problem is not dreaming. Every single person in here has dreams. Our problem is attaching vision to a dream. And so when it comes to your dream, you're in here and uh, you probably feel like, man, you know, I want to start a business. I want to start a ministry. I want to get married. And for you, it is not problematic for you to have a dream. I knew a guy once and all he wanted to do was travel around the world. And he would tell me all the time about his travels that he was going to take to Tibet. 
And he's like, I'm going to get one of those, like, skirt things, you know, in Tibet. And I'm going to go, and, like, I'm going to meet a Tibetan monk, and you're going to meet a Tibetan monk, and we're going to shave our heads like Tibetan monks. And I was like, all right. And he's going to, you know, we're going to base camp below Everest, and it's going to be amazing, you know. But he attached no vision. He attached no plan. And so it was just a daydream. And God is saying, if you don't have a vision from God about that dream, it is going to prematurely bite the dust. And so tonight what we are talking about is having divine vision as individuals and corporately. And it will give you the ability to have a spiritual sustenance and distance that you would not have if you did not have vision for your life. And so if you have your Bibles, what we're going to be talking about tonight is 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. If you got a Bible, wave it in the air like you just don't care. I want to see it. You got your phones? Amen. I don't know about you. I'm kidding. I normally have my phone. And I'm like, I have the Bible app. It's got like 80 million different translations. All right, so, so 1 Timothy chapter 4. If you're there, say you got it. All right. Wow. Different crowd tonight. We're going to start in verse 10, and here we go. For to this end we toil and we strive. Because we have our hopes set on a living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially to those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you because of your youth, but set to believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, young adult, which you have been given prophetically when the council of the elders laid their hands on you. And so tonight what I want to talk to you about is vision for young adults, where we've been and where we're going. But what I would also like you to ask God right now in your, in your inner man is just this, God, give me a vision for me. Give me a vision for me, for my life, and for what I'm supposed to be doing. And so let's bow our heads and ask God to be here. God, we thank you so much for every single individual in here. God, I pray that we would be trailblazers. We would be trendsetters. We would be so different from the world. We would be examples. God, I pray that in this place today, you would transform us from a group of people that attend together and come to church and worship your name, and you would change us for the sake of your glory into people that set standards for what it means to be a believer in this world and in such desperate times. We love you, God. We are asking nothing short than everything you have for us us. We pray this in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. If you're taking notes, I titled this message, Trendsetters, Trendsetters. And in Habakkuk, the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk is seeking God, and he is asking God for a vision for his people, and he's getting very specific. If your prayer life isn't specific now, you need to understand that if you're asking God questions, one, you need to get specific, but two, you need to wait until he answers. And so Habakkuk has said, tell me about my people, and tell me what's, what's going on with them, and where are their hearts at, and, and more importantly, God, where do you want my people to go? And then this is what he says in Habakkuk 2, verse 1. He says, I will stand um, at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. This is what he's saying. He's saying, I'm going to wait. I'm going to stand here, and I'm going to wait until you answer me. If you have a prayer that you are asking God, and he has not answered you yet, you just hold your pose, and you wait until he answers you. He says, I will look, and I will see what he will say to me, and what answer 
I am to give to this complaint, because his people were complaining, because aren't we all complainers, right? And it says, then the Lord replied, write down this revelation. The NASB says, write down or record this vision and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. So the Lord is about to give Habakkuk some vision, and he says this. He says, get ready, Habakkuk, and I want you to write it down, and I want you to make it plain, because when you write it down, listen, a dream is just a dream, and a vision is just a vision, but something supernatural, and I believe there is something supernatural that happens when we write down a vision of God. Something different takes place. It is different. There is an accountability that comes from writing something down. You know, you get a contract. Maybe you have a dream and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to buy a house someday. And it's going to be like a Joanna Gaines house. It's going to have white shutters. And it's going to have a really nice, you know, and a dog. It's going to come with a dog, right? But then, <laughs> but then it's not real. And when that contract comes up and you have to sign it, it's there in writing. And it's just got real. You have a dream of getting married, and you're like, oh, he's six foot four, you know, and it's going to be dark or light or I don't know, just whatever, you know. And so you get a marriage license in front of you, and it's in writing, and it just got real. And in the same way, he says, Habakkuk, I need you to write this down, and I need you to make it plain. Write it down and make it plain. And so he's saying, one, write it down. But number two, you need to make it plain. You need to map it out. There needs to be A, B, Cs to this. And he says, there's parts that I'm going to do. But listen, there's a part you need to do. And you need to write it down. And you need to make it plain. There has to be a plan for this vision. An A, a B, a C, a mapping out. And he says, you're going to do what you're going to do. And then I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And this is what God says he's going to do. For the revelation awaits its appointed time it speaks of the end and it will not prove false though it linger wait for it I love God it will certainly come and it will not delay now God is describing his part amen and he says the revelation awaits its appointed time God says I know the times and the epics at one point Moses said teach me to number my days because God understands timing and we do not God understands time. He understands the place that things need to happen. And listen, more often than not, they happen slower than what you would like. That's just God. But he says, I understand the time. And listen, the revelation will be right on time. And then he says this. He says, it will not prove false. He says, you know, I said this scripture all weekend. But listen, God is not man that he should lie. No lies come out of his mouth. When he gives you a vision, that's not from somebody that's going to prove false. That's not from somebody that is going to fool you. That is from somebody that is foolproof. And he says, listen, I've got, I've got you completely covered. This will not prove false for you. He who promised you is faithful. We talked about this all weekend. And then he says this. He says, it will not delay. It will certainly come. He's talking about himself. And the way that God responds to us, he says, you be faithful and you write it down, which is not hard. It's like, okay, this is my part. Okay. You know, and then he's like, <laughs> and I will be faithful to fulfill it. God says, I'm going to do everything else humans we get to participate in the will of God but literally our job is like oh this is so wow <laughs> like literally that's how this works and when Red Rocks Young Adults started we had a vision church we did we had a great 
vision, and it was simply this. When it started, it was a small group that had gotten out of hand, okay? It was like 15 people, and it was growing to about 20 people, and you know, you're just out of college, and so you're like circling the wagons because you need to get out of debt, you need to get a job, and you need to get a date, and so it was like, let's just hang out and like not hyperventilate, you know, and so... It was this group of people, about 15, 20 people, and um, it had kind of gotten out of control where it just kept growing and growing and growing, and Sean came to me, and he said, hey, would you want to lead this? And I was like, oh, yes, you know, and so, um, and so at about 15, 20 people, myself, a, a wonderful lead team of volunteers, a man named Andrew Matrone, we set a vision for what this was going to be. And we knew the stats, right? We knew the stats for young adults. According to every statistic that's out there, if people are in community, if young adults have friends, 70% of them who have friends and had faith in their young adulthood, that will maintain them into their, well into their adulthood. They will keep their faith. People who do not have community, on the other hand, if you are a Christian in here and you do not have Christian friends, take heed. Because of those people who do not have Christian friends, it says 20% of those, only 20% will even make it to the finish line. And I said, done. Like, all I got to do is get people friends. Like, let's just go. <laughs> community. I got it. I can do this, you know. And so Barna said, Barna said that the number one influence of, of young adults is not lights, it's not sounds, it's not good teaching, it's not like how many campuses you got or if you got cool mugs, like it's like friends, that's it. And so I was like, I got this, we got this. And so we started our little, you know, group and we would do services and have small groups and the whole thing. And one of our very, very first events that we were going to do is have a dance party. And so it was called the Ghetto Fabulous Dance Party and we spent, <laughs> we spent, <laughs> it's true, we spent our entire budget for the month on this thing. And we got food, and we got like a cardboard dance floor, right? And I brought my friend in, Troy, who was a DJ, and I was like, look, Troy, this is a Christian event. No playing booty music. And he's like, look, I got some, you know, like music videos I was thinking we could put up, you know, like on the, and I was like, that's cool, but you understand what I'm saying when I'm saying it's a Christian. And he's like, yeah, I got you. And I'm like, okay, cool. So, so we get, and I'm thinking 200, I mean, in my mind, I had a, I had a vision. I was like, there are going to be 200 people here. There, it's going to be incredible. And that night gets kicked off and like, there's like 15 stragglers that roll in and then maybe it gets up to about 30. And I'm just like, okay, our whole budget, it's fine. <sighs> Sean's going to fire me. You know, like, it's fine. <laughs> and, then, and then lo and behold, my friend, my friend Troy, he played music that would make your grandma's ears bleed, you know? <laughs> and, and I was just like, oh, Lord. And he played some music videos that I just was like, the Holy Spirit left like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> it's just, I'm just so ashamed right now. And then I kid you not, it gets about halfway through, and one of, one of our very first girls that came to Young Adults, she was so cool. Um, her name was Susan, and she does, like, this spin move in the middle of the dance floor, and then, like, she kind of falls over, and she goes, she goes, I think I just tore my MCL. And I was like, straight up, we took a wheelchair and wheeled her out of there. Like, so, so much vision. That was our very first event. And listen, had it not been for a vision to sustain the dream, it would have been all over night one. And yet we just kept with it because we had a vision. Look, we're going to build community. We're going to give these people's friends. And so year one, this is what it looked like at Red Rocks Young Adults. Uh, back then we were called Fuel. 
Uh, this was our very first group launch. We had six groups that year. We grew from about 20 people to 100 people in that first year. And about two people got saved. One of the two coolest salvations that I'd ever experienced. It was awesome. In year two, we grew to about 200 people. We had our very first retreat. And our very first retreat was about 65 people up at Crooked Creek. That was us. <laughs> it was awesome. God moved that weekend. It was so special and so, um, so special for us. Year three, uh, let, me, let me just, because I want to make sure I'm getting this right here. Year three, um, we were capping about 250, so we had to make a move. So we prayed about it, and we decided that that year we were going to move to Littleton, which was our newest campus. And so this is us at about 250 at the Golden Campus Room. And so we moved to Littleton, and at Littleton we did our very first uh, event there where we started reaching out to the lost, and it was called Hero. And that night, I kid you not, seven people got saved, and I thought I was going to pass out. Because that just, at the time, that wasn't our norm, right? That's our, that's our norm now. That wasn't our norm then. About passed out. Year four, um, year four, we were going to about over 300. Um, we went on the soldier retreat. We had our very first gala. We had our very first meetup. And listen, we're bumping. We're at three. We're at 350. It is incredible. And anytime people would come to young adults, they would be like, man. Man, listen, listen to what people would say. They would say, look at this community. It's so special. It's so full of vibrant lives and honoring people and good human beings. And look at this community. People would say that all the time. And I would think to myself, my goodness, Lord, you did it. Look at this. Look at this. And so that year I went on maternity leave. Uh, it was 2014 in our fourth year. And I had our very first daughter, John and I's very first daughter. Her name's Brooklyn. And to be honest, you prepare for a kid, right? Like you get, you get the car seat and you get the crib and you get the like room all set up. And if you want to like have a conniption, like go get a car seat. Because they're like, well, this one could suffocate them, but this one's the only one that's going to save their life. And you're like, I don't, I'm so scared. Like, <laughs> so, so you prepare, right? But nothing gets you ready for the time that that kid comes screaming into the universe. Like nothing prepares you. Just screaming, just yelling, right? And she shows up, and I am just overwhelmed. And listen to me, I am a dreamer at heart. I am a visionary at heart. But as I was on maternity leave with my daughter, I, I had prayed, and I had said, God, give me new vision for young adults. I want new vision. Give me a new vision. And so as I was getting close to my, at the end of my maternity and was supposed to come back into young adults, I realized that my dreams were no longer that tasty to me. I realized that if I was going to leave my daughter, I didn't want to leave my daughter for my dreams anymore. I didn't want to come to work to accomplish something for myself anymore. Just, it was, my dreams were no, no longer worthy to me. They were no longer worth it to me to leave her. And so I started praying and I said, God, I don't know if I want to go back. And this is, this is the exact verbiage I used with our Lord. I said, God, I don't know if I want to come back for my dreams anymore. I don't know if I want to come back for my vision anymore. But I said this, I said, God, I would be willing to investigate coming back for your dreams. And so I said, God, what do you dream about? And God very profoundly changed my heart. Profoundly. He said, you want to know what I dream about? <laughs> I dream about people. I dream about my people. And all of a sudden, my heart just kind of did it. I mean, it was a very dramatic and deep shift. I had always cared about ministry. I'd always cared about discipleship, always cared about his word. But to be honest, I didn't really care about the lost. Um, 
I didn't. Um, not because I, I didn't care. I just didn't feel, I was like, oh, that's for evangelists, you know? Like, that's not me. And he was like, I care about my kids. The way you feel about your kid, that's how I feel about every single person that's lost. And I just, I couldn't shake it. Like, I mean, it was profound. And I came back to work, and I was like, okay, it's new vision time. Community is all set. We got community. We got community on lock. And so we need to have a new vision. And this is what God gave me. It's 1 Timothy 2.4. It says, this is good and pleasing in the sight of our Savior, who desires all men. Everybody say all men. Amen. Say it with, like, like you mean it. All men. All men. To be saved and come to knowledge of the truth. God was like, I, there, there is not a person in a zip code. There is not a person who looks different than you, that acts different than you, that I don't want to know me. That's my kid. Like I made them just the way that you made her. And I need them home. And I need them now. And so from then on out, that was our vision. That was our mission. We did a, we did a vision uh, night in 2014. And since then, it was like, it's about the lost. It's about making heaven more crowded. I don't care if you're comfortable. We're going to get uncomfortable. We got to save people who don't have time, right? Like, that was all we talked about. People were probably like, God, Jess, can we, like, talk about, like, I don't know, liturgical things or something? And, you know, I was like, no. Like, this is what we're talking about. And so that year, year five, it was one of the best years of my life. We hit uh, over 500. So we were at Littleton, and, and we were starting to cap out, you know, cap out the room, and it just was like, and this campus was brand new. So I said, we're going to move because it's closer. It's, you know, more central to everybody. So we moved to Lakewood. We grew to 600 people. I think there's a picture of that. Um, we had our very first red conference, and the vision was to build kingdom builders, build people who care about the kingdom. Um, we had our kingdom come retreat. And then year six, we grew to about 800 people. We had our second red conference. And then this year is like our seventh year, the year of the Lord, the year of perfection. And consistently this year, we have, sit, we have hit over 1,100 people on the weekly. <laughs> it means a little bit more when you look at that little tiny room and you think about a girl with a torn ACL. You're like, wow, God. We launched uh, over 40 groups. I think there was near 48 life groups this year. I think there's a picture of that. We had 800 people at Red. 30 people met Jesus at our meetup this year. We launched college groups this year, which are college life groups where we hope to introduce Jesus to college campuses that are like, what's Jesus? Um, we sold out wild, and people get saved on the weekly. And listen, God... This is what people say about Red Rocks Church now. This is what God, people say about Red Rocks Young Adults now as they say, wow, like, great community. Like, everybody's so nice. Everybody's so welcome. But they say, like, God is here. He's here. And so what's the vision now? What's the vision now? This is something I would love for you to be asking yourself. This is something that I toil, and I have toiled with all summer, and I've been asking God. And listen, I have been standing at the ramparts and waiting. God, what do you want us to do now? And so here's what I'm going to give you to the best of my ability that I think God is asking us to do right now. I will give you a very certainty is that he wants us to not stop. I know that. He told me, stick to the script. He said, everything I already told you, I just want you to keep doing it. Stick to your script, Jess. You know what to do. Save lost people. So we're going to do that. But listen, this verse is what he gave me for this week that we would be trendsetters. We are the trendsetters. 1 Timothy 4 says, don't let anybody look down on you because of your youth. 
Don't let anybody despise you because you're young, but set an example for believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. At our very first Red Conference, we talked about this reality um, and the vision. For the very first Red Conference, we said, we are not next. This is what we talked about in our staff meeting. The, the whole phrase was, we are not next, we are now. Because anytime you talk about somebody that was born you know, around the time that y'all were, about around the time that I was, it, they say, you are the next generation. You are the next generation, meaning this, you're, the, like, you're like sitting the bench right now, you're next up at bat, but it's, you're not up at bat right now. In other words, there's this book called Slouching into Adulthood, and it says that adolescence is now extended into your mid-20s, probably 25, 26, meaning that the world expects nothing of 20-somethings. And because of that, you expect nothing of yourself. Being spiritually mature, having a job, getting things done for Jesus, those aren't mandates. It's a suggestion at best. We are the next generation. We're just like biding time until it's like time for us to go. And we just decided and we felt very strongly, Connor especially and the rest of our team, we're not the next generation. We are right now. There is an example that needs to be set right now. Paul looked at Timothy, and as he wrote this letter, he said, look, 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 my time is coming to a close. I've ran my race. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. And he said, don't let anybody look down on you because of your, because of your youth, because you're 18, because you're 19, because you're 20, because you're 30. Don't let anybody look down on you because of your youth, but set an example for them. Listen, there's going to be people that are 67 years old that are going to look at your life and they are going to see Jesus in you. Set an example with your life, with love, faith, purity, conduct, speech, don't let anybody look down on you because you are young, but set an example. And this word example, according to Merriam-Webster's, is this. It says that one that serves as a pattern to be imitated or not imitated. An example to be imitated that other people are going to imitate. And I would say is a more modern term to be a trendsetter, one that sets a trend. And listen, right now in America, we need people that are going to be examples. People are just looking through social media for any type of example to follow right now. They're just desperate. They're looking to their leaders. They're looking all over America right now, like, who am I supposed to, what am I supposed to follow? What am I, is, this, is this the conduct I'm supposed to have right now? Is this the way I'm supposed to be talking right now? Is this the way I'm supposed to be acting right now? Is this the way I'm supposed to be loving right now? They're desperate, looking around for any example. And listen to me, they are coming up wanting. <laughs> There's nothing out there for them to look at. And so when I say you're a trendsetter and that there's generations out there that aren't doing it, I mean it. Yeah. Every morning when I get ready, I, get, I like put my makeup on. I know I actually don't wear makeup, but if I did, I'd put makeup on <laughs> in the morning and I do my hair and I put on clothes and the whole deal, right? And my daughters, I've got a three-year-old and a, 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 a gosh, 16-month-old, and um, they just kind of waddle around me and they put on my necklaces and they get out brushes and they pretend to use like eyelash curlers. It's actually really cute. And um, they brush their hair, and they put on my clothes, and they put on my heels. And, um, the, you know, one-year-old, she doesn't have any hair, so she just brushes her scalp. <laughs> you know? <laughs> they are imitating me. And there's a mandate on my life to be graceful, to be kind, to be strong, to be ferocious for the gospel, and to set an example for them. 
They will imitate me, young adult, for better or for worse. This is going to happen. And right now the whole world is just looking around and they are ready to imitate something and they have nothing to look at. Listen, the world does not need another political pundit that is telling them to be more anxious or more dissatisfied. It doesn't need that. It doesn't need another leader that is just like so internally like disrupted that they can't understand how to love their brother or their sister or who is only uh, concerned, listen to me, with their opinion and not the outcome of America. They don't, we don't need another example like that. We don't need morally bankrupt celebrities who are selling a new fashion line. Listen, we don't need that. We need kingdom-minded, loving, humble, kind people that are going to look at God and say, I'll be your trendsetter, Jesus. Just give me a lane to run, and I would love to be a trendsetter for you. And there's three different areas that I think God is calling our generation to be an example. And the first one is this. I think he's saying be an example to the world. I'm going to start big and then we're going to land little, okay? Start big, land little. Be an example to the world. Matthew 5 uh, says that you are the light of the world. A city on the hill cannot be hidden. The unifying factor in America right now and in the world right now is darkness. One thing that everybody has in common is everybody feels in the dark and afraid. Ask anyone. The Bible says this. You don't just know truth. Come on, understand your worth, understand your value, understand what you're made of and what you're carrying tonight. It doesn't just say you know truth, that you interact with what is true, that you interact with the light of the world. It doesn't just say that, that you know him because we do know God. We walk with him, we, we seek him, we find him, and, and we walk closely with him. It doesn't just say that, though. It says you are the light. The very spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, and you are the light of the world. Where you go, people see something worth noticing. They see light, they see hope, they see benevolence. So I think that we are to be an example for the world just by showing up. I think we're to be an example for our generation. Listen, our generation has way too many platforms and not enough integrity. It is too easy for us to talk. It is too easy for us to be graceless. And God is like, are you going to be graceless? Look at what Jesus is. Like, like, honestly, some of you on Facebook are like, I'm going to chop off your ear like Peter did. And, and <laughs> Jesus is like, whoa, whoa, homie, let's put that ear back on. <laughs> right. Now that we're calm. The world doesn't need more opinions on Facebook. Listen to me. Please stop. Just stop. Like, the world doesn't need any more opinions on Facebook. It needs grace. And it needs humility. And it needs hope. And listen, it probably doesn't need a word from you. It probably needs a word from Scripture. I'm just being honest. Are we going to be like the rest of our generation, or are we going to be different? Instead of complaining about the government, maybe think about becoming a governor. Instead of purchasing the next iPhone, maybe buy a ticket to Puerto Rico and help them. Maybe instead of self-promoting, promote other people. If you want to know how, look at Doug Weckman's Instagram account. <laughs> because I don't think I've ever seen him post about himself. He's always posting about other people. Right now, the world is trying to define you and it says you're lazy, you're selfish. And God does not think that. Listen tonight, if you hear nothing less or nothing else, just hear this. I don't think God thinks that about our generation. I don't. 
I think what God thinks is something beautiful. And I think he sees us and he sees the benevolence and he sees the kindness and he sees, he thinks this, if you would be willing to accept this, that you would rise up and that you would be everything that the generations before you were not. If you would be willing to be an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. The way you talk is going to lead people to Jesus. The way you walk is going to make people want to glorify God. The way you love is going to change the racial dynamic in our nation. The way you have faith is going to build the church. And the way you have purity is going to make people run into your home and be like, what do you got? I want some. And you're going to be like, follow me. Be an imitator of what I'm an imitator of. Be an example for your generation. Be an example for our church at Red Rocks Church. At Red Rocks right now, we exist to make heaven more crowded by welcoming home the prodigal and being a front door and a front porch for prodigals. And what I hope, what I hope, I I have always, since day one, I have said I want to be the lifeblood of whatever Sean wants to do. I want to be the heartbeat of whatever, like, whatever he wants to do, I want to be the muscle behind it. Like, that's just, that's just what I want. I want these people. If Sean says, look, uh, we need lots of volunteers, the young adults should be the very first people to sign up. If he says, I want you to be prodigal loving, listen, they need to look different than you. They need to smell different than you. They need to, like, do drugs that you don't do. And you need to be like, come on in. You need to be pro-prodigal loving people. That's what he wants. And if he says, okay, we're doing a campaign and it's giving campaign and it's for our new building, I want young adults to be the very first ones to sign up with their tithe of 20%. And they're like, look, um, I work at Home Depot for a minimum wage, but I'm all in. And God will probably bless that more than somebody who has more money than you. I want you to go first in giving. And if somebody says, take out the trash, I want you to say, I'll do it. Because listen, that's always been who we've been. We've served each other. We're trendsetters. Be an example. And the last uh, bit is this, and Ben, you guys can come back out. I just want to talk about the three things that I think trendsetters are. Th- three things you can be tonight. You can start tonight. Begin tonight. The first thing is this, is that trendsetters look different. They look different. Paul is trying to get Timothy ready, and he's like, I'm just going to prepare you, bud, because everybody's going to be watching you. And listen, whether you know it or not, everybody's watching you. The whole world. They want to see what Christians are going to do, because deep down in their gut, they know that that we know the way, the truth, and the life. They know it. So they're looking to us like, what's up? What are we supposed to do? And he's getting him ready. And listen, if you're feeling like, man, I feel a little bit concerned that for the next decade of my life, I'm not going to look like the rest of culture. I'm not going to look like the rest of the world. I'm not going to look like my friends. I'm not going to go to the places that they're going to go. And I'm not going to do the things that they're going to do. Listen, if you're feeling like a weirdo tonight, look to your left, look to your right, because you are in good company that on a Thursday night, one of the biggest clubbing nights in, in Denver, That there are a whole bunch of young adults that are out partying, but they're worshiping God and praising the Lord and trying to meet with him and trying to fulfill God's purpose on their lives. If you are feeling weird tonight, yes, you are supposed to look different. I hope you don't ever look like anybody says you should. Trendsetters look different. Number two, trendsetters look to God's dream. First Timothy 2, this is good and pleasing in the sight of our God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to knowledge of truth. If you want to be a trendsetter in 2017, if you want to be different in 2017, stop focusing on your dreams and start asking God what he dreams about. 
You want to get your world rocked? Pray that prayer and mean it. Mean it. It'll change your prayer life. It'll change how you view homeless people in front of Starbucks. It'll change the way you view angry women at Starbucks. It'll change the way you view everyone. We're all just lost kids. And he is one desperate father. He loves us so. Trendsetters look to their father's dreams and they look ahead. In the next six months, whether you like it or not, whether you want to or not, I hope you want to, join me, it's gonna be fun. <clears throat> we're gonna take more territory and we're gonna move as God desires. What God did in the last seven years was amazing. I'm so grateful for it. But we would be remiss if we lived there. Um, the past for the Israelites and for people of God was always for remembering, to, to give you faith. It was never for living. And so anytime God would do something, he would say, now onward. Build an Ebenezer or build, like some, build, build up some stones of remembrance. But then on. We need to move on. And I think God is saying that to me. I think he's saying that to young adults that the past seven years were incredible. Look at what he's done. But listen, we would be fools to live there. And so as long as God allows us to be in existence, as long as God allows us to play a small part in our kingdom, we are going to ferociously take more uh, territory, more people, more souls, more, uh, more for God's kingdom as much as he allows us to. We're never going to stop hunting. We're never going to stop searching. We're never going to stop inviting people in. And if that makes you uncomfortable, here's what I need you to understand tonight is that at least this ministry, there are churches out there that exist to make you comfortable. But you need to understand that that's not me, that that's not Red Rocks Church, and that that's not who this ministry will ever be. And so we exist not to be comfortable. And we will always forego comfort for commission. Always. Every single time. Anytime we start to get comfortable, I get nervous. I'm, I'm serious. I get scared because I think we're missing it. And so if that means we add a service, we're going to add a service, church. If that means we need to add a location, which pretty soon we're going to need to, then we're going to do that. If it means we add volunteers, if it means that we start, you know, services on college campuses, oh my gosh, I would cry if that ever happened. I would be so excited. If they, but whatever it takes, we are going to do it. Because the goal is God's dreams and not our dreams. And so while I can't present specifics to you tonight, my team is praying about it. We are looking at it. We, are, we know we have a parking problem. We know we have a space problem. And I am not interested in living out the next, you know, however many years of ministry life, just kind of ministering to a bunch of people that already know the truth, the way, and the life. I'm interested in joining Jesus in the Great Commission, and so that's what we are going to do. And so if you are in here and you just want to receive from God tonight and you want to worship God tonight, would you just stand, and I'm going to read this scripture over you. The beginning of... 1 Timothy 4 says this, this is why we labor and we strive because we have put our hope in the living God. This is why we work. This is why we pray. This is why we toil. This is why we talk to strangers. This is why we invite people to Easter. This is why we invite people to the meetup. This is why we don't stop, can't stop, won't stop. Because we put our hope in the living God who is the savior of who? All people. They just need to know about it, and especially those who believe. And so tonight, I just want to invite you into God's dreams. 
that your dream is about his kids, and that possibly the best life you could be living, the best vision that you could be having, is joining God in what he's doing. I'm excited to be telling you guys what we're up to in the next couple of months, but I would love for you to join us in prayer. Invite more people. We're going to find more room for them. We are going to make more room for more souls, and we're never going to stop, at least until he says stop. And so let's bow our heads and pray. God, we thank you so much. God, I pray for every single person in here. Thank you for the last seven years. I thank you for using people. I thank you for using friends. I thank you for building something so beautiful. God, we give you all the glory. And God, we say we're with you in the Great Commission, no matter how uncomfortable. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen.